The opinions expressed on this show are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily represent those of Funeral Radio's management or sponsors. Welcome to A Good Goodbye with certified thanatologist Gail Rubin. She says talking about sex won't make you pregnant. Talking about funerals won't make you dead. Brought to you by Funeral Radio. And now your host, Gail Rubin. Those of you who have listened to this program with any regularity know that I'm a big fan of using humor and funny films to help break down people's resistance to end-of-life conversations. And my guest today, Caitlin Doherty, is the queen of humor with her YouTube videos, Ask a Mortician, and her book, Smoke Gets in Your Eyes and Other Lessons from the Crematory. Caitlin, great to have you on the show. Yeah, great to be back. I don't know if I'm the queen of humor. I think maybe, <laughs> I think I'm pretty high up on the death humor list, but yes. I don't know about humor altogether. <laughs> well, and and you co- you're the founder of the Order of the Good Death. Correct. And yes. can you explain what that is? Yeah, the Order of the Good Death has been around, I think this January will be its fourth anniversary, which is hard to believe, but it started uh, very small, but the idea was to get other people like myself who were interested in bringing the conversation about death into popular culture in unique ways, and that could be anyone from a, a scientist to a funeral director to an artist. And uh, since then, membership has, has grown, and uh, we started something called Death Salon which is a more public arm of Order of the Good Death, which are big programs in various cities around the world where people can come in, the public can come in and engage with the practitioners. Mm -hmm. Well, I know the death cafes that I've been hosting since 2012 have, I'm I'm having one this Saturday and people just keep coming out of the woodwork. They want to talk about this. They do. And if you you build it, they will come. (laughs) Exactly. So your book... Uh, I enjoyed reading it so much. It's a combination of a memoir and a call to action for becoming an educated and involved funeral consumer. And the book came out a few months ago. Um, How has the public responded? That's a, that's a great description of it. Um, the public response has actually been really, really good. I was expecting there to be more backlash because anytime you put out a book that, you know, I'm not a, a dyed-in-the-wool funeral director. I have different beliefs from most traditional funeral directors about where we can take the funeral industry. So I was expecting there to be much more public outcry. But for the most part, I don't know whether that's because they're just not reading it or they're keeping quiet. There's been some backlash, but for the most part, it's been very warm, very receptive, and again, more people just wanting to have the opportunity to talk about it. Mm -hmm. That's from the general public. So what kind of response have you received from the funeral industry? Well, you know, there are a lot of, especially younger people in the funeral industry, especially young women who are increasingly the ones in mortuary school, Mm -hmm. they often are are with me and they want to see change. They want to see the families getting exactly what they want, whether that's a home funeral or a witness cremation or no embalming or a green burial. They want to see that happen. So they're usually with me. Uh, I get older funeral directors sometimes who are not so happy with me. Um, I got a couple messages that were kind of had a hey missy sort of tone, (laughs) like hey. Hey, little Missy, what you do? Which is funny because I'm 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 30 now, which is not old. 
of course, but I feel like I've been around the block. You know, I'm not an ingenue by any stretch of the imagination. <laughs> so it's, it's always interesting to get those. Um, but fortunately, those are the minority. Yeah. And you did go to mortuary school for the credentials. I did. I did because I didn't want, you know, I wanted to, when somebody came up and said, hey, Missy, what do you really know? I can say, yes, I went to mortuary school and it's just not the way I choose to practice. I know what a trocar is. Yeah, I know what a trocar is. <laughs> Don't yeah, make me my, use it. <laughs> yes, not my first time around the old uh, the old Dodge chemicals, no. <laughs> well, what did you take away from that mortuary school experience? You did write about it in, in Smoke Gets in Your Eyes. I did. Um, I took away definitely that the people who are are in the industry and the people who are very much into the traditional, uh, the traditional idea of embalming and and larger funerals, I absolutely believe that they are one hundred percent sincere in what they're offering to the families, in what they think is right for grieving. I don't think that they were trying to pull one over on anybody. I didn't get the sense that they were interested in capitalism or how much money they could get out of the families. Um, not to say that that doesn't happen, but that's not the sense that I got. It's mm-hmm. just a different thing than what I believe. I, I think that the family should be much more directly involved with the dead body, with the funeral itself, with an engagement with death, a very raw um, face-to-face engagement with death. And, uh, you know, there are other people who believe like I do, but we're still in the minority. We're not, uh, and that's always funny when you get the funeral directors who say something to the effect of, you're trying to bully us by writing a book like this. And, it's, well, you know, we're in the t- people who are alternative funeral directors are a tiny minority against this big corporate you know, 100-year-old conglomerate that is the funeral industry. And to act like we're the bullies, I think, is a little disingenuous. <laughs> well, and you did go to college and got a degree before mortuary school. And what was your degree in? <laughs> that was in medieval history, <laughs> which, uh, you know, obviously prepares you for everything you need in life. Well, I love that you sprinkle throughout the book history about funerals And there was one quote that I pulled out as, is it Publilius Cyrus wrote in the first century CE, as men, we are all equal in the presence of death. Yeah, it was it was really important to me to have history in there because especially cross-cultural history. So not just European medieval history, but uh, death practices from all over the world, because I think it's really easy for us to forget that how we do death in the United States is not how they do death everywhere. Um, Not now, not historically. So the more that we can feel comfortable with different death rituals around the world and understand that there are many ways to swing a cat or take care of a corpse, the more that we can feel more open to our own new practices and whatever we discover to be meaningful for us, we can think outside the box. And in fact, the United States is only just starting to catch up with the cremation rate in the rest of the world, which is much higher in, in many other places. Right, right. We're inching towards it. And if you if you talk to people in other countries about embalming and the practice of embalming and and the makeup and the laying out of the corpse, some of them think it's very grotesque. And that's not to say that it is because we might look at sky burial or something like that and, and, and think that that's grotesque. But the reality is, if it's what you're not used to, the 
extreme preservation of the corpse can seem a little uncanny and a little bizarre as a choice for disposition. Mm-hmm. And so it's been a few months since the book first came out, and you had some major media coverage. You were on Fresh Air with Terry Gross, and um, she she certainly seemed uncomfortable. I heard that interview. She seemed uncomfortable with the idea of like actually dealing with your own dead people. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. It, it was interesting when I when I did that. She was so kind, and I didn't I didn't really get that sense from her. But when it came out, people started saying that right away. And listening back to it, I was I got it. I was like, okay, yeah, she did really seem uncomfortable. And I think what happened was that maybe she herself was a little more comfortable, but she wanted to play the devil's advocate for the viewer or the listener. Mm. Like as in the listener might like, I don't know, the listener is going to say, I don't know about this. (laughs) But I think she underestimated how much people do want honest answers and how much people do want change and how much they do want to talk about it. Um, So it sort of came off like she was protesting too much mm. and and being too uncomfortable when in reality the people who were listening were like yes that's how i feel yes i want to i want to be there when someone dies yes i want to know what's happening so it doesn't manifest in this unknown fear for me and what were some of the other issues or the main issues raised by the media during your media tour for the book Oh gosh! Um, for the most part, I was actually really surprised how many people were interested in talking about the fact that you can have home funerals and you can take care of the body yourself, which was actually a pleasant surprise. I think I was expecting the angle to be more, "Oh, you're a young lady who was working with corpses," wah. Um, <laughs> but it really wasn't. People wanted to talk about, uh, you know, the headlines were like, "This mortician wants you to hang out with corpses." which is salacious in its own way, but also kind of true. Like, that is a fact. I am a mortician who wants you to hang out with corpses more. That's, you know, truth in journalism there. Um, So overall, I think it was good. It was pretty overwhelming. um, And it was, um, you know, it it was certainly a a lifestyle change and a pretty exhausting one. But but overall, I've been been pretty happy with, with how things have been portrayed. I don't feel like I was mischaracterized for the most part or it was always clear that I had a mission that I wasn't just someone who wanted attention for working with death um so yeah overall I think I think it's been great great we're going to take a a brief break here and then we'll come right back and can continue our conversation with Caitlin Doty author of smoke gets in your eyes and other lessons from the crematory Find a final resting vessel for your loved one or beloved pet. At Artisurn.com, we offer handcrafted one-of-a-kind urns, jewelry, and keepsakes. Our Memorial Chronicles blog has grief and loss resources that you may find helpful. Visit us at Artisurn.com. That's A-R-T-I-S-U-R-N.com. And honor your loved one or beloved pet. To learn more about advertising on Funeral Radio, please email advertising at funeralradio.com. Welcome back. Enjoying our conversation with Caitlin Doty, author of Smoke Gets in Your Eyes and Other Lessons from the Crematory and the Ask a Mortician on the YouTube video series and founder of the Order of the Good Death. So is this going to come out in paperback? It is. I got from my understanding it happens a year after. So it came out in the hardback came out in September of 2014 so the paperback will come out in September of 2015. 
and then it comes out in the UK in April. Are you going to get to do a media tour over in the UK? I am actually, which oh. is ridiculous. We're just totally ridiculous, but I'm so, I'm so excited. That yeah. is great. How did you get this deal with your publisher? Uh, well, I had been doing, I had thought about doing a book was one of the first things that I thought about doing because as soon as I started working in the industry, uh, I guess, what, seven years ago now, I, I immediately thought, man, people need to know this. People <laughs> need to know what's going on. And a book would probably be the best way to share these stories. And so I had been thinking about it, but didn't really, I mean, who knows how to publish a book? I sure, I certainly didn't. So what happened is that when I started doing Ask a Mortician and started having the blog on the Order of the Good Death, I got a couple of agents, literary agents, who said, hey, we think that your story and your writing is interesting. Have you ever considered a book? And my response was, why, yes, I have. <laughs> Thank you for calling. Um, so I, I picked the one, uh, the really fabulous literary agent that I I have, um, whose office is actually located in Washington, D.C. Typically, they're in New York, but she's in D.C. And uh, we wrote up a proposal, which was about, I think, 60 to 70 pages, which is longer than a nonfiction proposal, from my understanding, usually is. But uh, I was an unknown. You know, I hadn't written a book before. Mm -hmm. They had to know that I would deliver something that was publishable. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that went to publishers and we had a bunch of meetings and then they they bid on it. And then hopefully at the end of that, you sell a book and you're happy with the publisher that you end up with. And it is a wonderful book. Uh, The stories that you tell about the crematory and the people that you meet, both alive and dead... um, just really is eye-opening. Thank you so much. Yeah, I, I worked real hard on it. It's, <laughs> it's supposed to seem sort of, yeah, the idea in the writing style is to have it be very accessible and to, to have it be easy to read and, and quick to read. So you don't, I didn't want people to put it down and never pick it up again. Mm-hmm. You know, I wanted I wanted them to finish it. And uh, that was the style, but it actually takes a, took a lot of time to make it that easy to read. Mm-hmm. And one of the uh, conversations you had with, you you went to a family wedding and uh, you got to have a a massage and it was in, I think, Tennessee, you said? Yes, and it was in Nashville and I was was getting a massage, which I don't get to do all the time, but it was a, you know, spa day. And I, I was there and the woman asked me what I did. And at that point, I was already starting to, to be very proud of what I was doing. And so I told her that I was a crematory operator and that I worked at the crematory burning the dead bodies. And she paused and then she just said, well, now a lot of my family up there in West Virginia does think that's the devil's work. And I was just, oh my gosh, yeah, okay, all right, yeah, I can see that, especially in the, in the south, the cremation lane. Fire and brimstone. Still, yeah, and they're still incredibly low. There's some, I'm sure it's not anymore, but there's some of the deep southern states were still at single digits mm-hmm. until very recently, as far as the cremation rate. So, uh, you know, it really is a cultural uh, difference there. And then at the end, she said that she was a little unsure about what I did. But then she said, you know, I, I believe that we're all going to be resurrected at the end of days. And that if the Lord could heal or heal my body from a shark attack, for example, he could probably heal a cremation, which I thought was actually pretty, you know, it's, that's 
theology and logic, you know, I thought that was pretty impressive that she, just as she was massaging, put that together for herself to make cremation okay. And um, it, that was that was a funny story. I mean, it's chock full of funny stories, but it also has some um, serious stuff as well. I mean, you yourself trace out your character arc of your life mm. and um, had had some dark spots there that you talk about. Yeah, absolutely. And I, it, it was a real thought process to think about how much I wanted to put in. And I'm actually a very, a very private person, at least what appears on the internet and, and what I choose to put out there. But I figured if I was going to write a memoir, the idea is to have a journey to start someplace and then end someplace. And to do that, I wanted to make sure that I was really honest. So I did put things in there, thinking about really dark things, thinking about um, how difficult it was to to love when you work in death and, and to love when you know that the person you love is going to die and what it means for yourself to die and, and my own grandmother's death. And all of those appear in there because it didn't seem to me like it would be as good if I wasn't being honest. Mm-hmm. And uh, what's next for you? Oh, gosh. Well, I'm Currently, at the moment, I am opening a funeral home here in Los Angeles called Undertaking LA, oh. um, and it's 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 very exciting. It's it was supposed to happen at the end of last year, but when the book came out, uh, that was just pretty much a full time job for those those three or four months. So now we're back, and and we're I have a business partner as well, and we're making it happen and getting all the right permits and getting the tax things and the the right crematory and the right everything and it's it's slowly all coming together um but that's exciting and then if you had asked me six months ago if there would ever be another book my response would be no 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 never um but now that it's been out and new stories and new things are starting to happen i i will never say never on that okay well with undertaking la are you encouraging people to encounter their dead, to have home funerals? What's yeah, making abs- it different? Yeah, absolutely. That's that's the crux of it. Is that it would be um, as much family involvement as possible. Um, primarily, since Los Angeles has so little access to green burial sites, um, the way that that would happen is primarily through home funerals and then witness cremations or some sort of ceremony at at the crematory itself or at the cemetery. Um, so just making sure that the family is, is very involved. Um, and also we're, we're looking to do seminars as well, where people can come in just a small group and learn about how to take care of their dead. And if they want to use us as part of that, that's fine. But if they feel like they have the tools they need to not use a funeral home at all, that's also fine. I bet they'll be dying to get in. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, yeah. we'll see. No, no one, no one signed up yet. We haven't put it out there yet, but we'll we'll see. We'll we'll come back in a couple months and and check up on that. Well, good luck with that. Um, if people want to find out more about you, what's the best website to go to? Ah, well, orderofthegooddeath.com, um, and then the Good Death on on Twitter is probably where I'm most active. Okay. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time and having a conversation today. My favorite saying is, talking about sex won't make you pregnant, talking about funerals won't make you dead. So true. So let's all start some conversations. 
And you can visit my website at goodgoodbye.com to learn more and uh, download the podcast of this interview and a planning form to help pull together all that information you may need. You will need, not if, but when. (laughs) Death comes knocking at your door. So, Caitlin, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you, Gail. Thank you for having me back. And uh, live long and prosper. You do the same. 